Welcome to Forever White Belt. I'm your host, Adolfo Ferranda. Forgive the intro audio quality. I'm currently traveling in Tempe, Arizona for the BJJ Globetrotters event. More info on that in future episodes. Now back to the show. Today on the show, I have Vladislav Kolikov, or as he likes to be known as, Vlad. Vlad is a jiu-jitsu black belt under Rafael Formiga Barbosa in 2008, Vlad represented Team USA in the Combat Sambo World Championships. He has placed and won several Naga and Grappler's Quest tournaments. Vlad was awarded the most technical fighter in the very first Grappler's Quest tournament, having won all of his matches by submission. Vlad is a fascinating Renaissance man. Raised in Russia, his father was a boxer, wrestler, and strongman. Vlad merged his expertise in Sambo into his jiu-jitsu game, and, there's, and the results are highly effective. He's opening a new KGA, Kolokov Grappling Academy in Texas, and he has a dearth of instructional content online. I highly suggest you seek it out. His foot sweeps and fierce throws are really the stuff of legend. Vlad is also known for being in a few little movies, a couple of which are named John Wick with Keanu Reeves and Salt with Angelina Jolie. Despite being the quintessential tough guy, Vlad is actually quite a nice, humble gentleman. It was quite the honor to spend time with him. Okay, some housekeeping notes. Vlad can speak really fast at times, so keep up. And if you're listening with the kids, you may want to put on earmuffs, for this is one where there's liberal but intentional swearing on the episode. Just a reminder to please give us a five-star review on iTunes, or just share the podcast with a friend. It really helps us out. And leave us feedback and suggestions at anchor.fm forward slash foreverwhitebelt. Also, like our Facebook page to get all the latest at Forever White Belt. And check us out on Instagram at Forever White Belt Show. And with that, I give you Vlad Kolikov. Vlad, thank you so much for being on the show, man. It's a tremendous honor. I'm a huge fan. Thank you very much. Pleasure is totally mine. I appreciate the invite and opportunity to uh, speak on your show. If you guys don't know, Vlad's like a black belt in everything, right? So he's a black belt in <laughs> judo, BJJ, and uh, the highest levels of Sambo. And uh, I'm a huge fan because, you know, as a grappler, as a jiu-jitsu practitioner, I was always had an aversion to takedowns and throws. And especially starting later in life, wrestling was, you know, really challenging on my legs and my back and things. So fortunately, I stumbled upon you on the, on the grappler's guide. You have a, a dearth of fantastic information. You guys got to go check it out. And for me, initially, I started, you know, because I had weaker legs and things with sacrifice throws. Your sacrifice throw instructionals on there is fantastic. It's been an absolute go-to and a great progression for someone like myself to go through that. So thanks so much for all your content. Well, thank you very much for the kind words. And as a coach, it's one of the best compliments to hear that your material is related well to students and utilized. You just made my day. Thank you. Vlad, surprisingly enough, as I've talked to different jujitsu practitioners and uh, through various academies, when I've brought up Sambo before, people don't even know what Sambo is. So could you first please give us some of your background if they have no idea who you are? And then can we transition to like, what is Sambo? So Sambo is as a word, it's an acronym for Samozashita Bizaruja, 
Sometimes I would say Sama Barona. It means the same thing. It just Sama Zashita for English speaking person sounds like uh, some of the shit. <laughs> shit is actually a, a shield, right? So Sama Zashita is like defending yourself. And Sama Barona is the same thing. So it's an acronym, self-defense without weapons. I started as a card for military and like special active forces personalities. And in order to practice it safely, it became a wrestling style. There is another type of Sambo called Samba, uh, Combat Sambo. You can do whatever you can do in Sambo wrestling plus strikes it's a great precursor for uh, mma very tough and very spectator friendly sport i just was very fortunate to be living a couple uh blocks away from most prestigious and one of the most famous uh, sambo academies in the world is called samba 70 absolutely magnificent uh, spot my uh, cousin brought me there i put my foot on the mat fell in love and never looked back ever since Wow. And this was way back in 1984, something like that, right? <laughs> yes, sir. That's precisely 1984. I was uh, in third grade. What I've seen now is what you've done is uh, something called Sambo Fusion. It looks like you've integrated a couple of uh, different disciplines. Can you talk about what is Sambo Fusion? Absolutely. So uh, for the longest time, my only art, the art I trained was uh, Sambo, right? Ever since like, the beginning of my training, I had a bit of a eclectic approach to uh, grappling as an umbrella, so to speak. I always would have uh, uh, books on freestyle wrestling, Greco-Roman wrestling, judo, and albeit I never trained any of those, right? And I only competed under Sambo rule set, but there's still plenty of throws and, and methods or whatnot uh, that could be utilized and always fascinated me to the deepest degree, like down to my core. However, different uh, nations or different uh, groups of people, although we do grappling all together, but we see uh, certain things as more important than others. For example, in Sambo, they praise big throws, clean throws, and quick submissions, right? So for some reason, somewhere down the line decided that, you know what? The best way to win a match is throw somebody quick or submit them quick, right? Is it good? Is it bad? I don't, you know, it's for you to decide. And mm -hmm. Jiu-Jitsu has completely opposite mentality. Uh, it's very slow. It's very methodical, completely different approach to fighting. Like in Sambo is an Olympic sport, right? And mm -hmm. motto of Olympics is uh, faster, higher, stronger or something like that, right? So Sambo falls in a category because it's, it's a wrestling style, right? Let's not split hairs here with submissions in it. It's very aggressive, very dominant. And it uh, utilizes that motto, Olympic motto, where in Jiu-Jitsu, somebody decide, you know what? Uh, if you get pinned or thrown, it's not a big deal because you can still fight. And they uh, praise a submission as a finishing device. And not just a submission, but also a particular way to get there. There's a blueprint to jujitsu match and a blueprint to a stumble match. I mean, armbar or strangle is an armbar and a strangle. No matter what art it comes from, the result is the same. But the philosophies, set of principles, training methodology, you know, uh, outlook on combat are different. And I have this curse when I see reason just about in everything. You know, if it makes sense to me, it makes sense to me. You know, even partially. So once both uh, jiu-jitsu and sambo crystallized from the grappling umbrella into particular sports, by default, they're bound to have some restrictions, regulations, and differences. I don't want to negate myself to only one style, only one principle, or only one philosophy. I truly love martial arts, striking to progressive martial arts, and grappling in particular. What I do in a nutshell, I try to implement sambo techniques in a jiu-jitsu rule set, and vice versa, jiu-jitsu techniques in a sambo rule set, into more well-rounded, more accomplished grappling style. And I totally understand it's not for everybody. Somebody is completely happy just wrestling, just takedowns and pins, no submissions. Somebody is okay with a uh, Sambo blueprint. Somebody is okay with Jiu-Jitsu blueprint. And I like everything. I like uh, just generally to wrestle, you know, control somebody on the ground and submit them via strangle or any arm lock. 
and I know some people, uh, some people's work are kind of in line with the same thing I do. For example, Justin Flores, I look up to him, uh, man blends judo and wrestling. Or uh, Dave Camarillo, right? Gorilla Jiu-Jitsu, he blends judo and Jiu-Jitsu very close to what I do. And I do uh, Sambo and uh, Jiu-Jitsu, plus other stuff too. I mean, Sambo and Jiu-Jitsu are, are two most integral part of the system, but I will do it all, man. I will do Shuai Jiao, I will do Nogi. I will do sumo, I will do freestyles, elastic wrestling, all this stuff. For example, in jiu-jitsu, one can be a world champion without knowing a single takedown, not a goddamn takedown, or not a single defense against takedown. And you can be not only world champion, but a dominant world champion, a multiple world champion, right? And again, I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's for each their own. We're still united, right? I'm always looking for unity versus division. But in my game, in my philosophies, in my approach, and some people might disagree with it, I view uh, stand-up techniques and ground techniques as equal parts of the same token and uh, theoretically my athletes would be ready uh, you know after a few years with me they could be competing in just about any grappling rule set right we compete in sambo judo jiu-jitsu and a variety of uh, no-gi arts as well and we do well in all of them you know i was fascinated to read somewhere that you actually prefer no-gi with your background in yeah. sambo and in judo and even in jiu-jitsu you have that gi to really use as a weapon as a tool what is it about no-gi you think it would limit your game to some extent you know it's a it's a great point and let me counterpoint you right it's just a preference i guess i prefer more dynamic quick game because gi can slow you down if you understand gripping paradigm and how things work and leverage you can significantly slow somebody down with the gi kind of negate their strong points where in uh, no gi although objectives could be the same take somebody down pass their guard or sweep them or whatever the picture is entirely different like for example if i make a mistake in a gi i usually have to pay for that like you know like uh once i uh, put my toe in a trap it might as well be my my entire two feet or whatever but mm -hmm. without the jacket it becomes way harder to control you and maybe it's not the best thing, but it brings a bit of a more athletic element to the game. Mm -hmm. And not that I dislike gi, I love the gi. I just prefer slightly more uh, exciting, hard to control your approach with the gi, you know? And also, a lot of people say that gi makes you more technical. Even if you're a no-gi grappler, gi makes you somehow technical. I think it's the biggest, like, cracker shit ever. Listen, let's talk about, like, let's say sumo, Greco-Roman, or freestyle wrestling, right? Let's even narrow it down. Let's take freestyle wrestling and judo, right? They have the same objective. They score big throws more and they like to pin, right? Two very similar objectives. Mm -hmm. You do not see freestyle wrestlers putting the gi on to be more technical. You should be training for the specific of your sport. Mm -hmm. So if you train jujitsu or judo, there's kind of no way to play without the gi. It's, it's stupid. It's, it's useless. Mm -hmm. Unless you want to be a, just a grappler in a wider uh, sense of the world. But if you just want to get ready for the rule set, it's useless. And again, Greco-Roman or freestyle guys do not wear a gi to become more technical. So presence of gi does present you with more options. That is correct. But is, you know, is a large number, multitude of options equate to be more technical? I don't think so personally. For example, right, again, let's go from the back door, from, you know, let, let's reverse engineer it. In Greco or freestyle, there are fewer avenues to throw somebody because of there's no gi, right? And there's fewer uh, avenues to uh, uh, control somebody because there's no gi. And people still yet manage to throw somebody in pin. Isn't more technical? You know, so like, imagine now you have fewer options and you still manage to go through with them 
and apply them successfully. It's technical, right? So to me, technique is not gear or options uh, or lack of uh, options or whatever. It's just mm-hmm. ability to, to perform technique efficiently. If you perform technique efficiently, aka nobody can stop it in gear, no gear or whatever, that makes you technical. It's not the key. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard another another black belt talk, this Sven Groden out of Germany. And he was saying that it appears more and more that the art of no-gi and the art of gi seem to be diverging more and more as time goes on and becoming sort of their own areas of expertise and disciplines to some extent. Would you agree yeah. with that? 100%. Hmm. 100%. And I think if anything, like if jiu-jitsu grows uh, in popularity, I think it's going to be due to uh, no-gi events like yeah. ADCC, yeah. sub-only, stuff yeah. like that. Right. Because it pushes action, and that's what jujitsu will never be Olympic sport. Like never, ever in a million years it will be Olympic sport. But uh, submission grappling just might. And it's not because I hate it or I don't want it. It's no, just no, no, my no. observation. Jujitsu matches are ten minutes long. Holy yeah. shit! Only people with uh, acquired taste and with the knowledge of the game can understand. Uh, pardon me for saying that. Micro adjustments and little developments. Like if mm-hmm. you watch freestyle wrestling or judo, oh, the guy in the blue gi just slammed the white guy or the guy mm-hmm. in the blue singlet just out-wrestled clearly the guy in the red gi. So it's very spectator-friendly, and that's what exactly what Olympic Games push for, where uh, jiu-jitsu is much more slower, it's much longer, and it's not spectator-friendly at all. However, yeah, would- once you start changing uh, the rules for jiu-jitsu, it will become another judo, you know, mm. and we already have judo. That's mm-hmm. why I think that the perspectives of uh, BJJ becoming an Olympic sport are next to zero. I 100% agree with you. Nogi is definitely more exciting to watch, and it is obviously taking the entertainment aspect of it and, and the eyeballs of it. It seems that, oddly enough, the amateurs increasingly are gi. Joe Working Guy is going into these jiu-jitsu classes and doing mainly gi, but he enjoys watching no gi, let's say flow grappling, ADCC on whatever it may be your media streaming pay service. Yes. I mean, I, I'm a professional. I have to stay on top of the game. Yeah. So like I, I watch and study all of that. Let's talk about some of these specifics of Sambo or, or these grips in general. Let's say something like Georgian grip. Can you adopt something like a Georgian grip and can you describe Georgian grip? What is number one with gi to no gi? And can you talk about other grips? Do they translate to no gi? Mm-hmm. Most of the gi grips to, to a degree could be uh, uh, applied in no gi. It's not going to be as easy, you know, because holding the belt or sleeve is much easier to hold, maintain, and control opposed to holding the wrist or uh, around the waist. But yeah, most of the stuff I teach could be uh, applicable in gi and no gi. Uh, Georgian grip is like, imagine you have conventional grip, left hand on the sleeve, right hand on lapel. So if you grab the belt on the same side as the sleeve, like you reach across, you put somebody in a perpetual, like a, a virtual, sorry, rather not perpetual, a duck under position. That's what they call Georgian grip. Uh, it comes from Georgian wrestling called Chidaoba. And because uh, they wear vests, there is no sleeves to grab or whatever. It's like a tight vest with a belt. Belt grips are prevalent. So a lot, and it's called gadauli. The, the grip is called over the back. In Georgian, gadauli means literally like grip over the back. And sometimes mm-hmm. one of the most popular throws, habareli, Georgian pickup, obituary gaeshi, whatever you want to call it, this big like mm-hmm. suplex with a, le- a leg assist, is called gadauli, but it's not the name of the throw, it's the, the name of the grip. Yes, that could be adapted to nogi by grabbing a lat. So I will have my left hand on a, on a sleeve or a wrist or whatever, and my right hand will go around, but instead of grabbing the belt, I will grab somebody's lat. Also, Kimura grip is virtually like a very similar to Georgian grip as mm. well. So then you can play a universal game is what you're yes. saying. Yeah, yeah. Gripping paradigm changes and my uh, uh, set of techniques kind of varies from gi to no gi. 
but mm-hmm. generally you can see the system and uh, united approach for my grappling regardless gi or no gi. You have very interesting recovery modalities. You're a very strong individual. You're a very technical individual. What does your training outside of martial arts look like? I saw even a crazy video of you hanging on this crazy device where you're hanging from both hands, both feet. It looked like some kind of sex toy kind of thing or something. A man with a stick. And you were, and you were doing these twists and Vlad is hanging by all fours in the air suspended. Yep like a drawn and quartered type of situation. And he's twisting mm-hmm. and, and doing this crazy stuff. And he's saying it feels great. So can you describe what's happening? So number one, I would like to correct you monumentally. Okay. I don't do any training outside of martial arts. Everything, uh-huh. every training I do is martial arts. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Yes. 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 So uh, for example, uh, uh, yeah, a, a friend of mine, often I'll come to his class. His name is Mike Paladino. And we'll be, uh, we'll warm up. We'll learn move. We'll drill. We'll do situational. And then he said, let's train, meaning let's go live. And I'm like, Michael, we've been training 45 minutes already. You know, I'm not really like too big into lifting heavy. I did that type of thing and I enjoyed it. And I actually was, you know, I was pretty gosh darn good. I started to like voice like pretty uh, serious weight. I'm in construction. And uh, one winter, uh, I didn't have any work because it was too cold and too snowy. So I have uh, time to, you know, discover new training methods. And that's when I started to squat and lift heavy. And I loved it, right? The strength game, et cetera, et cetera. But the thing with this kind of lifting, and again, you could disagree with me. Very often I've seen this uh, modality, and to me, it's unfortunate modality. So people decide to uh, supplement their martial arts with some kind of physical training, right? And they started mm-hmm. doing kettlebell sport, Olympic lifting, CrossFit, you name it, whatever. Mm-hmm. And slowly but surely, their focus switches. Like all kind of lifting and running, to me, is a martial arts training. It's additional to my met performance, right? I don't care about size of my bike. I do care how I look. But I don't care about like too much of aesthetics, like, you know, but size of bicep and like proportion. I don't care about that mm-hmm. yeah, as yeah. long as it's, as long as it's functional. So slowly people start getting like lifting gloves, special lifting shoes, then belts. And next thing you know, they don't do jujitsu anymore. They don't do sambo. They do lifting. So uh, I play with it. Then I got busy again and simply did not have to uh, did not have time to lift heavy. But I always do some kind of cardio training, whether it's like running or sprints combination thereof. I do a lot of uh, body calisthenics, like all sorts of lunges, squats, push-ups, pull-ups. I'm a huge fan of that. The only resistance type of training I would do would be like rubber bands or kettlebells. And, you know, mm-hmm. I guess pull-ups is resistance training too. I don't lift heavy. There is a particular feel to moving bodies. Sometimes uh, I have a strong guy coming in the gym and they can squat like three of my weights. But then I ask him to do certain like uh, movements from butterfly guard, like listen, and I cannot do that, right? Mm-hmm. So we're not looking for like, ab- I mean, yes, we do look for absolute strength, but we're also looking for particular like agility and dexterity where it could be applied in grappling. It's slightly different. It's not just the same. Yeah. So that's what I do. And uh, the device you mentioned is called Pravilo. Pravilo means something that makes you right again, right? Dude, man, I wish I came across a device a little bit earlier in my career, in my life. Uh, I have been doing it only for a year and the results, oh my God, it, it, it's fantastic on multitude of levels for, for, for your physical well-being. Mm-hmm. You know, you get stronger, you, you heal. I came to that place with a couple like severe injuries, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and it, not that I'm rehabbed completely, but like I'm rehabbed to a degree when I'm full operational. Like I'm, I, mm-hmm. I don't have cartilage in my shoulder, my pack is torn uh, clean off the bone. And mm-hmm. with a stretch, and I was able to strengthen and weaponize that area again. I, I can use my right hand again. You know, some, there are so many skills in grappling, and uh, it's kind of hard to keep your hand on the pulse for all of them. Of course, my technical ability is always there. But then I try to pay attention to strength and cardio. 
And flexibility sometimes goes out the window because you have no time, right? You're flexible enough. So I noticed I could not do proper bridge. So when I was a kid, I was able to kiss the floor, right? I'll be uh, bridging or whatever on my feet and my head. And I was able to roll to my chin. A year ago, I could only be on top of my head. My spine would not bend to a degree, you right. know, where I can like kiss the floor. So yeah. I still cannot kiss it, but now I can put my nose. So like it, it stretched out and rehab my lower back as well. So now when I do bridge, my range of motion is way better than it was like a year ago. And I don't have any stiffness or weird like sensations in my, in my back. And you attribute it uh, directly to this this uh, modality that you're working on, this recovery method? 100%. 100%. So over and above stretching, we'll get like uh, all types of massages there. We'll do sauna and cold exposure. We'll, uh, you know, uh, ice baths. It's a hard experience. You, you feel completely exhausted afterwards. Mm. That's the only uh, drawback. Night class that night is usually a rough one, you know, because it's hard to recover from after uh, such hard workout and Uh, You see people with these inverted tables, you know, the teeter tables, you know what I mean? That's like, it's the closest thing that I could sort of find to it. Yes. Oh, it is different. All right. Yeah. It's a, it belongs to a suspension training methodology. Like uh, anytime you hang like on a parallel bars on the gymnastic rings on pull up bar, you suspend Mm -hmm. it. Right. So you have to uh, work against your weight. Yeah. But with all four limbs, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. a whole different Mm -hmm. ball game. Oh yeah. What is the stick? Ah. Okay, so like uh, when we develop skills, we are usually going through a set of premeditated, predetermined patterns. And uh, not that it's bad, that's how skill is developed, but sometimes you become predictable because you know how your partner is going to react because you do the same thing. So with that little stick push or whatever, it teaches you how to, you know how to relax. The guy practices Sistema, and I know that Sistema is a controversial art. I'm not uh, big into belly knockouts, you know, or knocking somebody out with their belly. But the breathing and movement makes a lot of sense it teaches you to go through a series of uh like unorthodox movements that you cannot predict for example here's uh, one of my favorite examples i like throwing people all the time so skill development right you have a tennis ball you throw it against the wall and you catch it and at first you you suck you can't even catch the ball but then as time goes on you become better and better catching it you start throwing it faster different angles of the wall and you can catch it that's a skill that's exactly how you acquire skill. Now imagine you have a, a tennis ball with a shifted center of gravity. So once you throw it, you don't know where it bounces, you know? You don't know where it bounces. And you have to make this decision on a dime in a split second to catch that ball. And this is something that could be developed to a degree, but like very much like speed, most people either have it or, you, or they don't or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So uh, what uh, the stick teaches you move in on uh, unorthodox patterns. And another thing with Pravilo, not only it's a huge decompression and stretch, uh, there was a strongman and a wrestler in Russia, Alexander Zas. I still have a book. As a kid, it was my dad's book. It was my dad's book, and I was looking through it, and I was so fascinated. The guy had, like, multiple uh, feats of strength, like carrying pianos, wrapping, like, nails, and all kinds of crazy shit, right? He developed uh, that system, or maybe, I don't know, maybe he imitated, maybe maybe came across by intuition. So he was saying, like, once people contract muscles, you know, muscles grow, you become stronger. But the true strength comes from a strength of your tendons and ligaments. And the way to train those is not by contracting them like a muscle, but try to flex them and rotate them when you're in static position. So hmm. when you uh, stretch on Pravilo, hmm. the range of motion is almost non-existent. Man. It's so, and, and sometimes you can be stretched against the weights, then you can contract things. And sometimes you get stretched on a crank, you get pulled, you know, like that uh, ancient, like Mongolian execution, you get, uh, you get uh, tied up to four horses by four limbs and they tear you apart. That's how you feel. And you cannot 
pull anything. So you flex in vain because your muscles do not contract and you sweating like a, oh my God, you sweat like a sinner in church and you feel so worked up after you're done without like doing conventional curling or squatting or anything like that. Th that little method goes right in line with Alexander Zasset's method. I, I read about as a kid and you know what I did? There's like a, a wrist uh, strengtheners, you know, you they expand and you squeeze them. So mm. what I did, I bought a U-bolt, right? I bought a U-bolt. U-bolt is a, is a horseshoe-shaped bolt that has mm -hmm. no give. It is a goddamn bolt. And when <laughs> you squeeze it, it does not give up. So you just squeeze it in vain, strengthen your, your phalanges, the fingertips, and uh, your, your hands. And the same thing you can do with a stick. You can try to bend the stick. That thing will not bend, but you'll flex yourself in a such a way where uh, you address the true strength. You will address your tendons and ligaments, you know? That's uh, how you get them healthy and recoup them. So we'll add the video to give more context of all this, of Vlad and this uh, particular modality. It's, it's very, very interesting to the yeah, show. Yeah, guys, check guys. it out. It's called Pravilo Fighting Hill. Uh, the guy has an account on uh, Instagram and Facebook. And I just, uh, I have zero monetary involvement with the guy. I have nothing to gain. My only gain, if, if you guys discover it and find it for, you know, useful for yourself, that will be my best reward. Vlad, uh, speaking of gains, let's talk about some of your gains and rewards that you would get if people buy your content. <laughs> um, so as previously mentioned, I mean, you have so much content everywhere. It was I couldn't even believe it. There's a grapplers guide, dearth of information on BJJ fanatics. You have four different ones. There's Samba for BJJ, Samba Throws Reveal, Classic Tomonagi, Over Under Clinch System. You have a slew of Budo videos, your YouTube channel, and some of the acting you've done. And we, and we can talk about that later, and, which is fascinating. How did you fall into these different things and, and decide that you want to not only teach, but put out this type of content? And then how did you uh, visualize and systematically approach all of it? So uh, when I was younger, my uh, martial arts vocabulary amount of moves was like, was there or whatnot. Uh, anytime I, I will teach a seminar, I would be so excited. People put faith in my teaching. I will throw everything on the table. And mm. as awesome is, uh, as it, it might have been, it was also useless because people do not uh, respond to the type of machine gun teaching, you know. And I've been coaching for 25 years. And it took quite a few years for my coaching style to uh, re get refined and developed, so to speak. And that's when I realized I like to teach in learning blocks. Right? I, I like to teach in, uh, in methods, philosophies, principles, and like big groups of techniques like Georgian grape, two-on-one, over-under, etc., etc. So instead of hopping all over... I like to get on one task and milk it till there's no end. Uh, but you know what? Like two years later, that game can get modified and changed because jujitsu and grappling is ever flowing and, and ever developing. Mm -hmm. And yes, I have uh, quite a few products all over. I have an uh, online library. Mm -hmm. All my effort as far as videotaping goes to my uh, subscribers and those major other avenues such as BJJ Fanatics, okay. Udo Videos, and Grapplers Quest. What I love about your teaching style too and, and the online content that you have is when I'm watching some of your instructionals or something, I'll be I'll be thinking some part of it. Yeah, but what if, and as soon as I think that, you address it. Yeah, man, that's the most important about sometimes I uh, look at athletes, demonstrate techniques, and I know they have skill and they have uh, skill to apply it against resistant opponent, but they do not have method of delivery. You know, And I used to be the same way. I used to be very, uh, I used to jump to conclusions, right? I like false modesty aside, my, my, my sample, I'm, I might be not the best player out there or wrestler, but my pedigree is goddamn top notch, right? So I used to skip a lot of details too, 
presuming mm. people know it, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, like it's a common knowledge here, right? And like I said, you know, during those couple of years of refining, I understood that no stone should be uh, going unturned. You should be explaining everything. For, you know, because sometimes somebody teaches me and they say, don't do this. And I'm like, why? And they have no answer. That just won't do. Okay. If you tell me do something or not to do something, I would like to hear answer. And sometimes it will even change my mind because I'm partial to reason. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. you know what? I never thought of that that way. Like I will at least note it and maybe completely change my approach. But if there is no such answer, then I cannot entertain that person's opinion, you know? So Mm -hmm. when you teach technique, a few uh, most important things. Why, because, and what if. Once you ad- address those three, your instruction is going to be good, even if it lacks sometimes a couple of technical details. Once you approach those, that's when you're going to shine, I think. Vlad, let's talk about your academy. You still have KGA, right? It's Kulikov Grappling Academy, correct? Yes, sir. My academy, I just closed it down because I'm moving uh, from New Jersey. Well, from New York. I, I live in New York. It literally just closed down a couple of days ago. I'm mm-hmm. in the process of moving to Texas. I'm jumping in a, in a truck and, and, and driving. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I love New York. I'm not running away from New York winter or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Just a very unsettling totalitarian tendencies that I'm way yes. too familiar with. I'm, uh, I'm way too familiar with those. And I've seen the writing on the wall. I've seen it happen in front of my eyes. And now I'm seeing it again. And it makes me worried. Uh, plus, unreasonable taxes. You know, sometimes yes. you, like, uh, you look on a nutritional panel for ice cream. And it's like two, two scoops. I'm like, no, 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 not two scoops. Yeah. It's a joke. Ice cream is done when you scrape in the bottom of the, of the pint, you know? It, it appears that somebody, as a joke, very much like with nutritional panel, threw a number for taxes. And we, New Yorkers, eat that, you know? And it's so goddamn, like, it's unreasonable, man. It's like, it's surreal. Prices of homes and investment opportunity from investors. I mean, one reason by itself out of those four would have been fine. But combining those four made yeah. my move, made my decision so much uh, stronger and actually made my decision because I love my students. You know, it was a bittersweet closure or whatever. Mm. My decision is caused by greater good for my family in the long run. So, so what are you looking to Texas, do in Texas? I'm looking to do KGA again. I keep the LLC. Wow. I'll, I'll keep the name. Lease already signed. Matt's purchased. It just for me, I have to get there and actually start putting things together. My mats are going to be on, on suspension because a couple of times, like recently, two weeks ago, I came from uh, teaching a seminar camp. Rather, camp. Mm-hmm. I was teaching Sambo camp. And uh, as uh, another staff member, another coach was demonstrating a throw, he threw me on suspension floor. And I'm like, please throw me again. It's so yeah. much fun. I was going to say that, Vlad, in all your other videos I've seen, you know, I'm like, does he have like judo floors? I keep looking. No. And no, no. they're they're these little things. And I'm like, holy cow, how have you lasted all of these years? I have two inch, they're not two. You know, I bought it from Fuji. They said it's two inch, but it's an inch and three quarter. I got so pissed. Uh, (laughs) So my my mats are like on uh, two layers of underlayment for the carpet. It's a half inch of felt. And like uh, taking one or two falls is fine, but gosh darn, like after five or six, they, they start adding up. You feel the concrete. So we have crash pads, right? We have crash pads. So if you have suspension floor, you virtually don't need crash pads. Fantastic. Maybe for beginners, Fantastic. maybe for like suplexes. So I'm so excited about that, man. <laughs> My gym is going to be double the size of what I have now. My mat space is going to be even more than double from what I have right now. Wow. And I'm excited. I know Mexican dudes love Sambo. Let's throw yeah. down, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, Vlad, uh, what city in Texas are you moving to? I'm moving to the city called uh, McAllen. It's on the very southern tip 
of uh, the state. Everybody moves to Dallas, Houston, and uh, Austin. A lot of people go to Austin. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I'm going to McAllen. That's exciting. Which is what, way more populated than where I'm from now. So one of the things, Vlad, I want to ask you, since you have so much knowledge with teaching and academies, is what makes a great student? It's a pretty simple question. Like a great student is the student who's coachable, who has faith and trust in you. Because some people come with a certain preconceived notion and they kind of almost rebel uh, with your decisions. And not that I know everything, but chances are, if you're a beginner and I'm me with the 40 years of experience, I probably have seen the blueprint of many people like you and even like slightly different people. The people that progress the most are people that train X amount of times a week. Mm. I mean, a regularity is the best. Like, for example, if you can only come once a week, come once every gosh darn week. Don't skip. But of course, you're not going to progress as fast. I would say three, four times is optimal. Uh, more is better. Students should be coachable, responsive to your advice and wanting to learn over and above what I introduced them to. So that's a perfect student. What makes your academy and your future academy unique? Well, believe it or not, uh, albeit uh, mixing two grappling styles is not new, there are still not too many people that do that. No, Sometimes my, and I'm not trying to bring anybody down. Sometimes my people go to other jujitsu places and they can hold their own on the ground because we train both. But anytime they stand up, it becomes like a beaten up a child, you know? My coaching experience, like I said, almost 40 years, uh, ability to uh, recognize students' strength. Like, I'm not going to teach a wrestler cool guard, you know? I mean, eventually, perhaps, or whatnot, right? Addressing their strength, creating team and team-like atmosphere. You know, like I almost cried yesterday. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Yesterday, I had a party, my, my farewell party. And I hope my wife was able to witness why to leave was such a hard uh, decision. You know, it's, sure. uh, it's like tearing piece of your heart. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, addressing strength, uh, creating a team where everybody's on the same page. That's what makes us unique. And of course, approach, equal approach, you know, as far as technically, it's equal approach to uh, Tachiwaza and Nawaza stand up and ground equally. I guess conversely, too, when you, as a student, you've seen other academies, you've been to other academies, not to crap on the other academies or anything. No, no, not at all. Were there things that you wanted to make sure you did not institute in your academy? I don't want to institute clickiness and elitism. And the way we train, sometimes if you have uh, people that follow you naively without trying to deliberately develop the game, et cetera, et cetera, it's not bad. I will not teach you bad stuff. So even training naively will get you there. But when you train deliberately, right, it's not just one person like a lonely mushroom after the rain pops up, you know, with talent. It's the whole level, the level of the whole group goes up. When you train deliberately, when you address everybody and we're all on equal ground, then the growth and the progress happens for the whole room as opposed to single individuals. What do you mean by deliberately? Okay. So uh, like I said, uh, you come to practice, you do what coach said, you know, you forget 50% Uh, of the stuff uh, that mm -hmm. that you do. But then what we will do, so we have bi-weekly curriculum, right? So uh, two weeks for one topic, half guard or strangles or leg locks or whatever, right? It used to be one week, but then I realized sometimes people that come fewer times a week need more weeks. So sometimes mm-hmm. maybe you are on vacation or whatever. Mm-hmm. So two weeks seems to be that golden spot mm-hmm. when people get a good grasp and retention of what we learn. So let's say we learn guard passing. So for those two weeks, we will not do pretty much like a stand up. You know, I mean, we'll do the stand up all the time. But we will start all our roles in one predicament. Somebody's on top, somebody's on the bottom. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I, I will not even let people freestyle, like those were submissions. I'll say just pass the guard. 
Just mm. pass the guard and recover the guard. Because right? mm-hmm. sometimes in a role, you won't even get to the spot and you'll never address it. And we all do that. Of course, we do freestyle sparring plenty too, but we mm-hmm. do a lot of deliberate situational training. That, mm-hmm. That's what I mean. And also, I don't know everything. Like uh, some topics, uh, I, I can introduce and have a, a significant knowledge delivered, but I don't know it very well. Like mm-hmm. Berimbolo, for example, I, I can Berimbolo, I can teach Berimbolo, right? Or a certain passing, or whatever. Then I'll try to find somebody who can teach it better than me. You know, I, I will invite somebody for a seminar, or I will deliberately research the Lahiva guard or whatever. You know, and before I introduce it to class, I will drill it myself with my top guys. So I know I have a good grasp. And mm-hmm. so you drill not the whole game. Of course, we play the whole game. But very often, we'll take part here, part there. So we are good at those parts. So when we end up in those spots, we have good answers. And that's what I call deliberate training. And I, uh, I urge my people to do the same, right? With their fundamental knowledge that I introduced. And that's why I'm an absolute Nazi. Fundamental knowledge. After fundamental knowledge, they would know if they watch YouTube video, they know it's total bullshit or it's something legit. Right. So I taught them how to teach themselves. So now Jenny, she likes Kimuras and maybe two weeks was that enough for Jenny for Kimuras. And she'll go and research David Avalon or Sakuraba or Maui Maui. And that's what I call deliberate practice when I deliberately trying to improve one aspect at the time of their game. Earlier, you mentioned wanting to avoid the clicks and things like that within your academy. Oh, yeah, how yeah, do you, yes. How, how, do yes. You, how do you go about that? What's the, what's the most important part, like an academy like that? Dude, it's just, it's just a general culture of the gym. Like, I have people, uh, I love my students, every single one equally, right? Uh, I'm slightly more proud of others as far as their achievements, but, like, you know, it's, it's an earned, it's a merited achievement, you know? So, of course, I will respect somebody with more victories close to a non-competitor, but the love is the same. Humans, you know, we tend to just tribe up yeah. naturally. You yeah. know what I mean? We group up. I, yeah. We do tribe up. So my whole gym, my whole crew is one tribe. There is no many tribes in there. All right. Because some, some, you just promote the culture of humility, you know, achievement and unity. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't have some of my guys, they uh, impose that hell and torture on themselves to go for weight cut, extra training, money expenditure, traveling and competing or whatever. But even my toughest competitors are still very nice people, very humble, and always willing to learn and, and help. My method forces might as well be uh, a soccer mom instructors, right? So whether it's a steroided wrestler who needs to be checked, walks through my gym, or a soccer mom, uh, my top guy can roll equally and teach equally both types. You know, yeah. just culture in a gym, man. Just be a good leader and implement beliefs that you think will unite the team onto the team. What are your thoughts on belt testing? Uh, I do not test. When you are brewing with your people, right? You see them day in and day out. Dude, sometimes I know their games better than they know their own games, you know? So uh, test is good because it brings like a mental focus and a sense of responsibility, so to speak. So I'm not against tests per se. I just don't, uh, I I don't agree that like uh, to be this belt, you have to know like uh, a set of techniques. And to be next belt, you have to know a set of other techniques. I think it's a very floating, very fluid, interchangeable system. I, I don't mm-hmm. think you know, there's an X amount of knowledge you have to know. So based on the competition, if any or none, attendance and actual performance, you know exactly if an athlete is worthy of being a blue belt or a purple belt or you know promoted to brown belt. So I just know my crew and I know who's uh, worth what belt. And I don't see tests necessary, but I'm not against it. 
there was a bit of a little controversy, but it, which brought up an interesting topic. The controversy was people on Reddit, of course, which can be a cancer on people, were uh, complaining about a 16-year-old phenomenal jiu-jitsu practitioner named Kolobate, who's a blue belt under the art of jiu-jitsu under the Mendez brothers. And he's just been destroying, you know, other black belts pretty much on the regular. And so a lot of these people were calling him sandbagger. And what I'm wondering is, now you are seeing just how great these kids are getting now. They're starting at four years old or something, right? Mm-hmm. And as right. you know, teaching has improved so much. The knowledge of nutrition, training modalities have improved so much. Information, your instructionals being everywhere globally for everyone. So people just naturally get better and everything mm-hmm. gets better, just like right. old computers and new computers. I'm wondering, do we need to start separating different divisions or something like that between like an amateur, a you know, medium, let's call it a farmer, minor league or something, and then having like a professional track or something like that? Yeah, I, I guess so, man. I, I, have, I have no answer. I, I know what you're saying. So th- th- that's the thing with jujitsu. There's no objective ruler, so to speak. There is no guidelines accepted by everybody, or at least majority, through which you can judge people. You know, it's kind of weird. Like, for example, in Sambo, there are no belts, at least not as of now. The only way that in Sambo, not just to compete, it's win. And not only win, but win tournaments of a certain caliber. Okay. So your coach has nothing to do with your promotion whatsoever. Your coach only mm. coaches you, only trains mm. you. And your victories will bring you to uh, next level, right? Mm. There's a few, uh, few divisions of hierarchy. I don't know if that's an answer. This system only rewards people that compete. But let's imagine we have like an older guy or whatever, or not necessarily older, somebody who does not want to train, who wants to be a generalist and mm-hmm. uh, hobbies. How do mm. we grade them? Mm-hmm. So uh, that belt versus no belt is like never ending, man. I, I don't know. I have no answer. Mm-hmm. I guess it should be like if a coach sees that the blue belt is beating black belts, it's kind of up to the coach to step up and say, yo, man, you, you don't belong in the blue belt division. You know, it's funny you mentioned that there's a local academy here uh, in town. I live in Warwick and they have like a very uh, talented, physically gifted athlete who's like a football star of sorts. And mm-hmm. I saw him competing at the blue belt and he went in a black belt bracket and he won, man. And mind mm-hmm. you, it was sub only. So not only like, uh, never mind points, he submitted everybody, man, submitted a guy I know, a very legit black belt. And I'm like, what kind of goddamn blue belt are you, man? Like, what mm-hmm. the hell are you doing in the blue belt division? I don't know. I think IBJJF or some there's some rule where you can't be a black belt at 16 or something like that. I think you have to be 18. Uh, or yeah, 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 yeah. Correct. There's yeah, an age cut off. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's 16. Can you tell me a time that you wanted to quit? Never. <laughs> Dude, like, like a- <laughs> uh, never, never once. There was a time in my life, I'm remarried, happily remarried. There was a time uh, when I was married and I was so goddamn miserable. And uh, I don't think I was depressed per se, but my mind was so heavy that training kind of took a second spot in my life as opposed to being always number one. It was for mm-hmm. a couple months, but I don't have any problems with uh, discipline or motivation. I-, I-, I go to bed thinking about seeing my crew tomorrow. I go to bed thinking what I'll teach tomorrow. It's uh, I've been warned by somebody that once I open an academy and become a professional teacher, I'll get burned out. That stupid fuck could not be further from the truth. It's like opposite of broken dam. Dam is broken and the water just goes and then slowly becomes a little stream. No, man. My dam is not streaming. It gets stronger and more powerful every day. <laughs> I just cannot get enough. I love it. Like I said, between motivation and discipline, because sometimes I get tired. I, uh, I get by, man. I, I love my lifestyle. I wake up on uh, Friday morning with the same feeling I wake up on Monday. Days of the week do not matter to me. 
I don't hate my life. I don't hate Mondays. Like it's it's a blessing. It's been a complete blessing. It was Mark Twain, I think, who said two most important days in your life: the day you were born and the day you found out why. Well, I found out why, man. I found out mm. that I want to serve people by teaching them martial arts and better their lives, quality of their lives through hard training. And there is no shortage of people like that. And I'm living my dream, man. Yeah. Living my dream. And all those people are part of my dream. God bless them. I got to ask you this. What's your go-to throw? <laughs> Ogoshi, uh, hip toss. When I was a kid, like the most intuitive thing I started to do by myself, because I was a pretty physical kid, I would do ukiwaza, a little drop. I was strong enough. I'll just grab the geese, start spinning people full, and they all fall over. But mm. eventually, shit like that stops working, and you have to refine your game a little bit. So my next throw, I was like nine, was a hip toss. And it's my favorite throw to this day. There's a couple other throws, you know, left and right that I do a couple combinations. But I guess Ogoshi, the hip throw is my go-to. And your go-to uh, sweep and submission? Yes, uh, guard sweep, man, uh, probably old school from half guard. And my go-to submission, mm. I would say armbar. Can you tell us some of the practitioners that you admire? Absolutely. Uh, let's start with, um, I will keep it brief. Otherwise, you know, <laughs> um, there is a gentleman, his name is Igor Kurinoy. We went to school together. I have an absolute man crush on this guy. He's wow. just goddamn fantastic. Total animal on the mat in all regards. Technique, theory. Uh, stamina, physical abilities, great person, one of the most interesting conversationalists. The guy, like I said, is a true renaissance man. He uh, plays instruments. He writes scores for orchestras. He writes his own songs. He's a crazy chef. He can jump over uh, hockey goals, uh, can do a backflip, wow. writes computer programs. Uh, he has like a most interesting scientific podcast. So the guy is like most interesting man in life. It's not the guy from Dosakis, it's Igor Kurinoy. And a couple others I follow, but like, let's stop with Igor. And as far as Yuji Teros, I would say probably Tosa between Marcelo Garcia and uh, mm. Jacare. By the time I saw Marcelo Garcia, I've seen quite a few instructionals for Jiu-Jitsu. And yeah. dude, you've seen three or four, you've seen them all. They all like same shit, no? Back in 2004, once I got Marcelo's very first instructional, it was like, I'm Dragon Axe Guard. It blew my mind. It goddamn blew my mind. It was awesome, uh, Marcelo. Uh, Jacare... Because he's an absolute specimen and he uh, equally master on the ground as mm -hmm. he is a thrower. He's a good judo guy. Yeah, I love him. Eddie Bravo. I love Eddie Bravo. Say what you want about conspiracy theorists and his uh, weed habit, but man's love for jujitsu is unparalleled. His creative genius is very inspiring. He's a humble, great human being. And maybe I don't play rubber guard, but as far as technicalities, I took a lot from his truck game and uh, half guard. So Eddie Bravo. And uh, as far as wrestlers, I love a lot of wrestlers, but I will stop on only one guy. And it's going to be Wade Chalice. Fantastic instructor, guys. If you watch, like uh, I mentioned, Marcelo Garcia instructional was one of the best ones. Then Eddie Brown's original uh, 10th Planet System uh, DVD was awesome because there was music there. There was pranks. There was instruction. It was not your, you know, it was not. It's a fun watch. Oh, my God. It was the best. And the third favorite instructional would be uh, Wade Chalice. He's got a few of them. Mm -hmm. He's got Legal Pain. Killer Cradles and Finisher, like Finisher with a pin. Mm -hmm. Man is an absolute freaking genius of wrestling. His game very, very well translates to uh, a grappling and jujitsu. His delivery is fantastic. Couple methods and uh, analogies he used, like a tree versus a telephone pole. But when you want to roll somebody, they have, uh, they have uh, limbs. So you want to chop the limbs and roll them to pin. Mm. A, a lot of little mnemonic devices. He is a fantastic instructional. 
is very watchable because now I used to watch a lot of instruction, but nowadays I like watch a couple moves and I'm I'm done. I'm spent. But Wade Chalice, I can watch forever. Hmm. And he owns Guinness Book of Records for most pins. Guy's fantastic. So I have uh, instructional I just released. It's called Wrestle Jutsu. I'm very proud of this instructional. Uh, you know, it, it breaks the mold. I mean, I love them all. They're all good. But Jujutsu truly, truly, in my opinion, false modesty is like kind of breaks the mold uh, and is different from all other instructionals of mine. A lot of cues I drew to that instruction. They're not like blatant, you know, plagiarism or, you know, stealing stuff. And I give Wade plenty of praise on that instruction. But a lot of things were taken from his spinning game for my Wrestle Juice instructional. So those are people I admire. Marcelo, Jacare, White Chalice, Igor Corinoy, Eddie Bravo. Speaking of a renaissance man, I was going to say that you are the renaissance man. You've done so oh. many different things. And let's talk about your acting, for God's sake. You were in the movie yeah. Salt with Angela Jolie, as you guys know. John Wick, the mm-hmm. Keanu movie, and uh, the choke artist. You are too kind. I try to expand my horizons over and beyond grappling. And it's actually very beneficial. Like Believe it or not, learning how to play instrument can enhance your jujitsu game because you're opening uh, new neurotransmitical ways. You wire things differently. It's awesome. Yeah. But I'm not nearly as talented as Igor or some other people. Uh, and as far as acting, dude, I'm, I'm no actor. When I, uh, when I went to audition, let's say, for uh, Sold, I felt so foolish, man, because they were asking me to smile. Oh, your daughter is born. Smile or like, strike a pose. I've all that stuff before. Is, it's super weird. <laughs> no, man. All that stuff was, no, 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 that stuff was easy and quite organic and natural. Oh, wow. And then it, and, and then they said, Vlad, now you have to be sad because your daughter died, you know? And then I felt like such a dick. I felt so foolish. I understood how difficult to be. Like, it's very abstract, you know? Yeah. Uh, I still made I still made it. Uh, and believe it or not, I ended up in movies uh, by complete stretch of luck, right? And every time I tried to go in the movies deliberately, it never worked out. And then I spoke to my good friend, uh, Sambo Steve, Stephen Kepfer. And because he's a stuntman, right? He trains stuntman. He's got like stuntman classes. He is a stuntman for many shows. And I had a heart-to-heart conversation. And after I heard him, I'm like, there is no way I can. So long story short, it takes extreme amount of dedication, time, and funds to be seriously into acting or stunt work. And I simply just don't have it. You know, I, uh, yeah. I kind of yeah. hung up on that trip. If it comes along accidentally, just like it happened a couple times prior, of course, I will act on it because it's a lot of fun. Financially, it's very sweet and it's a good like feather in the cap. But yeah, all, all my acting stuff was completely like by accident. So Vlad, any uh, words you can give those jujiteros out there in terms of why they should incorporate Sambo or stand up or throwing in into their game? Well, decide for yourself. If you don't want to, again, grappling is a large umbrella term. You, you can play multitude of blueprints of games, so to speak. Uh, you can exercise variety of modalities. But the fact is all logic. Let's imagine that we both equally technical. We have uh, exact amount of uh, weaponized jujitsu on the ground. Uh, we're strong and durable enough, right? So theoretically, a person with a takedown will have an upper hand. So why give up that upper hand? Why give up that potential advantage? And dude, it just, it's just got them badass, you know, like, uh, like if somebody insults your honor or insults your wife, you're going to drop on your back and invite him to your guard. No, man, you want to right cross to the face, hug him and hello ground. So it just makes you fucking manly, you know, and I want to be manly, right? I want to be good technical at jujitsu. I want to be able to pull guard and submit somebody. But in my heart of hearts, I think the real fighting, true manliness and uh, true martial arts uh, uh, mastery implies a knowledge of all aspects and that includes takedowns yeah and again dude if you want to sell somebody right arm bar or guard pass 
as awesome as they are and as merited as they are, does not sell as much as Suplex. <laughs> so Vlad, where can we get more information about you and everything that you're offering? Thank you for asking. Just look up on Wikipedia. I'm just joking. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, thank you for asking that question, guys. You can find me on Instagram, Sambo underscore Fusion. Honestly, again, false modesty side, I think it's a great account. I don't have any food pictures or family pictures. It's all for martial arts. The only personal stuff I will post will be like in the story, something humorous usually. But I post instruction, you know, for free. I post uh, good matches and good footage from other martial arts. It's an entertaining page. So you can find me there, Sambo underscore Fusion. You can find me on Facebook, my legal name, Vladislav Pulikov. And I just started, yeah, I mean, I have a YouTube channel with a bunch of good videos. I just don't update them because I switched my uh, platform. If you go on sambofusion.com and you click in menu and you can click on purchase my curriculum. I, I know it's called curriculum, but it's actually online library. I do have curriculum there, suggested curriculum, because like I said before, you never know. For some people, it could be too much. For some people, it could be not enough. So let's imagine somebody starts grappling. Jenny does not know where to start. There's so many confusing information on YouTube and conflicting information. So I give you a blueprint. I give you guidance. So I give you six skills, uh, takedowns and throws, passing guard, sweeps from guard, strangles, arm locks, and leg locks. So six skills, they go from simple to more complex, and it's a good guidance for any grappler. And if you master just that, you should be a good competitor in sambo, judo, or jiu-jitsu. Over and above a curriculum, I have to justify a subscription. Unlike subscription for the library, I post techniques weekly. So I have technique of the week, post weekly. Over and above that, I have advice for drilling and exercising. I do have some small striking section there too. And I release courses. Tomonagi, Sumigaeshi, Niba, Storesuriko Magoshi, Over Underclitch, Two on One, you name it. So my subscribers get free access to all the courses because normally I sell those courses. Oh, and by the way, another platform about to feature me is Keenan Cornelius's Jiu Jitsu X. Wow. I, I just hooked up with them and I just gave them uh, some of my courses. So you can get those courses on, 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 thank you, on all those platforms, YouTube, uh, BGJ Fanatics, uh, Buddha Videos. You can get them directly through me and my online subscribers for as long as they subscribe monthly. They have access to all that. This is such a tremendous honor to have you on the show. I was so looking forward to this. You're my go-to for all stand-up information. I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on the show and giving us your time. Thank you, Adolfo. really appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks so much for watching and listening out there. I'm Adolfo Franda. You can find us at Forever White Belt and give us a thumbs up, subscribe, the whole thing. And we will see you guys next time. And